It's that time of year when you are getting the growing itch. The sun is coming back and we want to just get out in the garden and get growing. But today we're going to talk about a garden plan, a basic garden plan, some of the basics that you're going to need to know before you even start choosing your seeds. Let's get growing. Hello and welcome to the Prages Plant Podcast, the show that talks about growing, growing a garden, a homestead, a healthy family, and most importantly, growing closer to God. I'm your host, Crystal Media, owner of the Red Ridge Farm Homestead, where our mission is to help women of faith find the courage to grow healthy food for their family while building a closer relationship with our Lord and Savior. That's you. Don't let the world hold you back. Pray, just plant. Welcome to the Prages Plant Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Media, and today in Season 6, Episode 1, we're going to be talking about a basic garden plan, the very minimal that a garden plan should entail. And yes, it's going to be beyond just a simple drawing. That's how I started. And let me tell you, there's a lot more that you need to know than just a simple drawing that you want to do. It doesn't have to go extreme, but there is some basics that are important. And I think the first basic part of a garden plan is you need to define who you are. You need to find yourself as what kind of grower you are. What kind of growing style are you going to use? How many people are you growing food for? Is there just two in your family or is there seven or eight or 10? How much food are you going to need to grow? Because how much you need to grow is going to depend on your garden size, how big of garden you're going to need to do, how many pounds of carrots you're going to need to grow, how many pounds of green beans you're going to need to grow. All that is connected to who you are. It's also connected to your time constraints. If you have a job that you work harder in the summer and less in the winter, maybe right now you don't have much to do, but summer's going to come and it's going to be very, very busy. How are you going to make a plan to make sure your garden is going to be able to grow and be taken care of? Are you going to only have maybe 15, 20 minutes a day to devote to your garden? Are you only going to have an hour or just the weekend to devote to your garden? That's going to help you depend on size or how much you're going to grow. I do have an episode coming up here in a little while that talks about that you don't have to be a homesteader. You don't have to be a gardener to preserve food. Maybe one of the ideas of your garden plan is that you're only going to grow these certain things and then you're going to purchase other things because you have time constraints. You don't have the time that you wish you did in the garden, but you know that you eat a lot of this product and you want it to come from a healthy place. Defining who you are is the basis to anything when you're trying to make a plan. Your time constraints, your size of your family, how you want to even grow. Are you brand new to this? Are you just now starting a garden? Because that's going to add a lot more to this garden plan that was going to be before. For me, a garden plan is sometimes just repeating what I did last year and moving it over a little bit so I can have crop rotation. Are you going to have crop rotation in your garden plan? You need to define who you are. You need to define how you want to grow. You need to define what your goals are. You need to write down your goals. Is your goal going to be, and make sure that they're smart goals, you know, specific, manageable, I don't remember all of it, but make sure that they're a goal that you can accomplish. Maybe growing a thousand pounds of potatoes might be a little outstretched. If you do go into the next step and you find out in your area that you can't grow t- potatoes very well. So you need to make your goals so that you know where to go in your next steps, what the next part of your basic garden plan is going to be. The next thing is to actually look up, actually research. Yes, okay, you have five people in your family. How many potatoes do you need to grow to to supply your family with potatoes 
for a year. There's several databases. I have a database and I'll tell you about that a little bit about how you could get use of that. There's also looking if you are a meal planner, you can look at your meal plan and see how many times a month you eat potatoes and how many pounds that what is. Or if you're really kept a lot of records on your grocery shopping, how many times did you buy five pounds of potatoes? How many potatoes do your family eat? Now you can get an estimate from a database or you can do all the calculating if that's something that you have wrote down. I know I never wrote it down, but you're going to want to know how much you need of something for your family size because the amount of potatoes that a two-person family is going to eat to a five to a ten-person family is going to be completely different. And there is ways to figure out how much you would need to get it through the year because you, you have to grow it to process it. And maybe an idea is that you're not growing all of it, but you're going to grow this much because you want to try out this certain variety and then you're going to go to your local farmer's market and get the other. So that is part of one year goals. And then you need to know how much you need to grow for your family size. Now I'm going to get a little bit more in detail about how I can help you make a basic plan for yourself that will take the stress out of everything. But right now it is time for the weekly tip and trick where I share with you a few tips and tricks I use here at Red Ridge Farm. This week's tip is brought to you by the Red Ridge Farm Seed Variety Tracker. This database was developed to help you keep a digital log of your seeds. I've done it. Maybe you've done it. You've gone out to the garden. You used up all your seeds. You throw away the seed packet. You forget about it. And then you decide you really love those green beans and you want to grow them again. But you can't remember the name of them because you threw away the seed packet. This database was designed to help you keep track of all all of those things. So no matter what happens to the seed packet, you still have all the information you need to keep growing. Get your free copy. Go to redridgefarm.org backslash resources. This week's tip is all about winter blues. Yes, we have times in our life, especially in the winter when there's lack of sun, lack of getting out into nature, lack of vitamin D, we feel the blues. We feel like spring's never going to get here, but I want to tell you that there are ways to get out of this funk. And the best way, the very first way, is to accept that you're in a funk. Next, you want to activate your brain. Not just sitting in front of the TV watching something. The TV is very good at entertaining us, but it doesn't really activate the brain. Everything's being done for us. The visualization's being done, the dialogue's being done. But when we read a book, we have to truly activate our brain so that the scene inside the book can come alive. You can take classes as number three. Right now is a great time to take to expand your ideas, expand your goals by taking classes to learn more about something. Number four, get outside for you. Not just to do chores, not just to go get the kids outside, but get outside for you. Take a walk, do something. I know it's cold outside, but even though it's cold, it's going to regenerate you. It's just get outside, get some fresh air. Open your windows. If we have a day sometime that is above freezing, open your windows for like five minutes. Doesn't take very long. It won't be a stretch on your on your heater bill. Just get some fresh air into your house. Open the windows just for five minutes and let the fresh air in and then close everything back up. We spend a lot of the time, a lot of the winter, closed up into these into our houses and by now, by March, by end of February, the air is stale. 
Number six is change up your goals. I know in January, we have really big goals. And sometimes by February, March, we feel like those goals will never be accomplished. Or we have all year to accomplish that goal, so I'll just put it on the back burner. Well, really what needs to be done is you need to reassess those goals. You need to look at them again and make them more of a SMART goal. Redefine them. And number seven, my favorite, is visualize your dreams. There's no wrong reason to make a plan. You can make a plan for anything at any time. Maybe that plan won't come to fruition in another five years. But if you work the plan, if you set it out, you know how you're going to get there now. So that if something comes up, you can jump on board and get it done. I always tell my husband, every time he catches me making new plans, he's like, well, that won't be done for another five years. We're not planning to build that yet. I said, I know we're not planning to build it, but we are planning to build it. It may not be this year, but I, if I have the plan wrote down, we're ready when God opens that door. A plan is our road to our dreams. Use those ideas sometime this week or any time that you're feeling blue because of the weather. Yes, spring is just around the corner, but here are some few tips that you can do to help you break away from those winter blues. Okay, let's get back to a basic garden plan, the steps to a basic garden plan. So we talked about defining ourselves, who we are, making our goals, and figuring out how much we need to grow according to our family size or according to what we plan on growing and how much we need to grow to go for a whole year. The next thing you're going to need to do is find some important dates. Find out some important things about your specific area. Now, I've said it over and over again, my soil is not your soil. My growing style is not your growing style, but we may grow in the same zone. So a zone or growing zone is an area where scientists have pretty much said that this area has the same climate, has the same, about the same estimated date of first frost, about the estimated date of last frost, has about the, the same amount of growing days as this area does. So that's where they put it in the zone 10, zone 4, zone 3. If you're t- looking at any catalogs or anything and you're looking, wondering what those zones are, that's what those are. It's where scientifically we have gone through the United States or wherever you live, and I'm sure other countries have these as well. It's where everything is kind of the same. And you can find very specific dates for like how long your growing season. My growing season, I'm a zone four. It's about 115 days. I know my last frost, which is usually, it's kind of confusing, but the last frost is the last frost of that current winter. So it actually occurs in the spring. And the first frost is the first frost of the next winter when everything starts dying down. So that usually occurs in the fall. So my last frost starts in May 15th. I can use this date to do many things. I can start my garden on that date because that's what that tells me is that anything like that is an annual that will die if it gets too cold will not grow year round for me here. I can start at that date, but it needs to hit harvest before the 115 days are over before the, the first frost hit. Or I need to think of some seasonal extension to get that to grow in my area, if that's something I choose. So when you find your zone, and you can find that by looking on the, the internet, um, there's some great resources where you can just put in your zip code and find your zone. Then according with that, to that zone, it's also gonna tell you your growing length. Because the last thing you wanna do, unless you come up with some ideas for season extension, is to plant the seeds, 
for some pumpkin that needs to be in the ground for about 150 days before it matures. Well, if you know your growing season is only 115 days, one, you may not choose that variety because there's other pumpkins that you can grow that will grow in that 100 days, or you'll have to do something. Because if you really think about it, tomatoes, which everyone grows tomatoes, right? They actually have a really long start to harvest. We have that start date and we count back so many day, so many weeks, like four to six weeks is usually what the package says before you start your seed inside. Knowing your growing season length, knowing when your growing season starts is going to help you pick the appropriate varieties. Like take onions, for instance. Did you know that there's short day onions, long day onions, neutral onions? Well, all of that depends on how much sun or intensity of sun they get. Short day onions should be grown where short day onions can grow. Long day onions are going to be grown where long day onions are going to grow. It all depends on the amount of sun they get. Myself, I grow long day because in the summer, my day starts from 5 a.m. in the morning till almost 10 o'clock at night is when the sun goes down. That's a really long day. If you go south into zone 10 or closer to the equator, you're going to have shorter days. It's just you have a more equal day. Now, right now, while I'm recording this episode, I have short days. So do your research to make sure you're picking the right onion variety for your season. But it all matters on how much sunlight that you're getting. So it's important to know these dates, to know these ideas before you order anything or before you try a new variety. Maybe you've been growing for a while. But this basic garden plan is just going to make sure that you are doing what needs done next. Basic garden plan can be if you know you want a different variety, then you can go back and look at your dates and say, okay, I can't pick this variety unless I start it indoors and do all of this and put up a mobile greenhouse or I can some kind of season extension or this also goes for a fall garden. If you're planting a fall garden, fall gardens are planted in the summer. So that's when you count back from that first frost date so that you can still pick some short short-term varieties that will make it to or will last through a little bit of light frost. So the next part of a basic garden plan is ordering your seeds and plants. Now you've done all the research, you've done and made sure that you um, know how many seeds you're going to need because you know how many pounds of, of carrots you're going to need. When you go to online to look or when you look in your seed catalog, it's going to tell you, well, this packet has 200 carrots seeds. Well, if every single one of them germinates, that's 200 carat. But then usually think about 50% will germinate. But if you want something more, if you want something that will really give you the specifics that all you have to do is plug in your family's digit, how many people you'll be feeding from your garden, and it calculates with you how many pounds that is, and then tells you how many seeds you're going to have to buy, then you want to check out my basic garden plan masterclass. This masterclass is going to take you from beginning to end through these basic steps. It's not going to get into my big, huge plan, but it's going to get you through the basics. It's going to get you, and maybe you're coming at this, 
you've been growing for a few years, but you would just want to take it up a notch. This is just a basic plan that can help you take that up a notch. You can help you plan a few more things. It can help you make sure that you're getting the right varieties for your area. And this masterclass is going to be out. It's available and you can check it out on my website at www.redridgefarm.org. Org. But if you want to dive in deeper, if you want to know more, then you can also join my new membership area that I am launching with this masterclass. In that membership, you will be part of a continual group of masterclasses. You will get access to this masterclass and every masterclass that I have filmed, and you'll get access to every masterclass that I have in the future in this member area. If you want to find out more about that, I'm not going to go into detail here. I'm not going to take up more of your time. I just want to tell you that that's now available and that if you wanted to make a basic garden plan for yourself and use a few tricks that I have for calculating all this stuff, then check out that masterclass. And I'll put the link in the description and in the show notes. So let's get to the next segment, Growing with God. In this segment is where you and I build that relationship with our Lord and Savior. And today we're reading Ephesians 1, that's right, chapter 1, 1 through 6. Now, I kind of, and I don't know why I did this last season, I kind of jumped right into chapter 2. And after reading and going through a few of my Bible studies that I've done on Ephesians, I was like, why did I skip to chapter 2? We need to cover chapter 1. This is the introductory of Paul. This talks about how he's talking to the Ephesians and why what he said in chapter 2 and chapter 3 was so important for the Ephesians to hear. In this season, we're jumping back into Ephesians 1 just so that you can get the whole picture of the letters to the Ephesian church. We're reading Ephesians chapter 1, and this time we're going to read a new translation. We're going to read out of the New International Version, or the NIV version for this chapter. So we're reading chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the God's holy people in Ephesia, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So if you go back and listen to chapter 2, two and chapter three, he goes beyond that. He talks about this gift. He talks about this connection, but let's just go back kind of to the beginning. And that's what I wanted to do here in reading chapter one is talk about where he's starting from with the Ephesian church, because you have to remember that Paul or Saul, if you read Acts, you will see that Saul becomes Paul. His job was to go out and spread the good news. And so he traveled to several churches in person. And then later when he was traveling to other churches, he would write these letters. So the first part of this is an introduction. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God. Who is this letter to? It's to the whole, the God's holy people in Ephesia, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So this letter was wrote after Jesus came to earth died for our sins and went back. Paul's mission was to spread the good news, to spread the good news that Jesus had died for our sins and that we now, not just the Jews, everyone can be in God's family. 
And that's what this explains here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Christ can go to his Father. Christ can be part of his Father. After the fall, after the eating of the apple and the bringing in of sin, we became separate. Now we are part of his family. We are children of God, just as Christ is a child of God. We get those same blessings, that spiritual blessing of Christ being able to be with God. We can now be with God. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's how he chose us. He, When we were in the garden, Adam and Eve, we were sinless. We were blameless. We were holy, just as God is holy. But when we went against what God asked us to do, he had to take that away from us. We had then to toil. We had then to have pestilence. We had then to be moved out of the garden of Eden. Same as our children, you know, going out and learning the new things. Same as a father trying to bring the children back to him. And Christ was that pinnacle of the plan so that he would come and be the last sacrifice and not only last sacrifice but the most the perfect sacrifice because there was nothing on earth no no calves no no, nothing on earth that was perfect enough to be the win all be all in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through jesus christ that's what we just talked about in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves So that's Christ again, the one it's capitalized here on my translation. So that's how we become, even though we are sinful, even though we have the thoughts, no one is perfect. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. That's how we we can still become a child of God is be through God's grace. And he gives us grace upon grace. And he sees that we are struggling. We, he sees that we are who we are because One of the greatest epiphanies I had, and I think we're going to read this chapter further in this segment, but it was when Jesus was our judge and that Jesus has experienced what we've gone through. Jesus is the one who has experienced what it feels like to be human, yet he still overcame. That's the grace. He sees who we are. He sees that we're human. And he sees also that we have the potential to become his children. He loves us so much. And we kind of talked about that in chapter three of Ephesians, that he loves us so much that he died for us. And that grace is, that's his action of doing the work. Grace is God doing the action so that we can be covered from our sin. The sin can be wiped away. That God's actions, Christ's actions on the cross was that grace. And how do we get that grace? How do we become a child of God? Well, John 3.16 says that, that God so loved the world that he gave up his one and only son so that whoever believes in him has eternal life. God did not make us robots. He gave us free choice, even in the Garden of Eden. He didn't force them. He didn't force them not to. He didn't force them to. He gave them the choice. And he gives us that same choice. And in fact, that is all that stops us from being a daughter or son of God. It's not our good works. It's not our sins. It's not Satan. Satan has been crushed. Death has been crushed by Christ. He can no longer stop us from going to heaven. There's nothing in this world that stops you from God except for you and your choice, for you and your faith, your faith in believing something beyond your knowledge. 
And if you would like to be a son of God or a daughter of God, it's very simple. All it has to do is come down to your belief. And if you believe, say this prayer with me. I believe in our Lord and Savior. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he came to earth as God, died, was resurrected. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you said that prayer, I can't wait to dive into this segment more with you. But I just want to remind you right now that God has set up this plan way before you were created to bring you to him. And he chose you before creation. And he is just waiting. He's done the work. All you have to do is choose. So let's get back to this basic garden plan. The last step is to bring all these ideas, bring all this research together. And yes, make the drawing, make the outline. Do you have to label it? No, you can say bed number one is going to be in carrots or half of bed number one is going to be in carrots. Bed, the other half of bed number two is going to be in celery. You can make a list. It's going to all come together and work and you're going to work the plan. That's the next step is to get started, get growing, get moving on. If you go and you find out that your date that you need to start your tomatoes is in March or in April and you're thinking about doing seedlings, I have a masterclass that can help you out with that also. If you are wondering how to do all of these steps and really want someone to walk you through, you know that I have a masterclass for that too. If you're wanting to build fertility into your garden plan. I have a masterclass. Soil is your foundation masterclass that walks you through being an expert of your own soil. And remember, you can get access to all of these masterclasses in my membership area. But let's recap through these basic steps. Basic step number one is to define who you are, who you are as a person, who you are as a grower, who your family is. What kind of time restraints do you have on this growing food idea? Next, how much do you need to grow? If you're a one person growing a garden, you're not going to need to me- need to grow as much as me who is trying to feed five people and five teenage boys at that. And then you need to find your growing zone. Learn about your area. Learn about your location. Learn about your soil. All of that can be done through looking through your garden zone. Remember, zone is just a basic kind of climate idea that's going to take tell you how long your season is because your season's going to tell you what kind of varieties you're going to have to grow. And it's going to tell you when your first frost date is, when your last frost date is, so you know when you can get your tender plants outside, when you need to be thinking about season extension if you're growing a fall garden. Then the next thing is you're going to take that information and you're going to order your seeds. You're going to go to your growing area and you're going to, maybe you don't want to grow your tomatoes, seedlings. Maybe you just want to buy them. Well, now you know how many seedlings you need to buy. A basic plan, garden plan, is that. It is your plan for your harvest. When are you going to plant stuff so that you can harvest it at this time? How? What are you going to take do with that harvest? Are you going to have, make sponges pasta sauce or are you just going to have some tomatoes, stewed tomatoes canned up. A garden plan can go way beyond just a simple drawing. And remember, if you want help, I've got several masterclasses that can help you out. And if you want access to all my masterclasses, I now have my membership area. It's just launching right now and it'd be a great time to get in early. Let me just say that. So I want to thank you for joining me. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to comment below or contact me on Instagram at Redridge Farm YO. 
or even go to my website, www.redridgefarm.org, or go to the show notes. Well, what are the show notes? Well, the show notes are where I take this idea, this basic garden plan, and I break it down for you. I write it out for you. I include all the links that I've been talking about, even more than I can include, because they, they tell me how many little letters that I can put in the description. So the description has information, but the show notes is going to have everything that you need to dive just a little bit deeper into this topic or any topic in any of the episodes here at the Prages Plant Podcast. Again, thank you for listening, and I want to welcome you to the Red Ridge Farm family of fellow growers. And remember, don't let the world hold you back. Pray, just plant. Mm-hmm.